0: I think a lot of it comes down to just being lonely. I grew up in Los Angeles. So when I stepped away from acting, the times that I did, I had family, I had distraction. I had people that I actually knew, knew me and cared about me. And when people come here for fame or entertainment, they usually surround themselves with people who are also here for the same reasons. And I think that your reality kind of gets skewed and your priorities become more about getting what you need and what you want rather than being there for one another. And so that's where I think things get a little clunky. You fall into habits that aren't good and aren't going to serve you. And you just have to be very mindful in any industry that you're in, but especially in the entertainment industry where a lot of people are very self-centric. You have to be super mindful of who you're hanging out with and whether they have your best interests at heart at the end of the day.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and you may recognize Daniela Monet uh, from her days as a former Nickelodeon star, including having a main role on the award-winning hit show, Victorious, alongside Ariana Grande, Victoria Justice, and others. And while many young stars find themselves spiraling down a dark path after experiencing fame... Daniela, fortunately, wasn't one of them, and she has created a new path for herself that includes entrepreneurship, motherhood, and co-hosting the popular Adulting Like a Mother Father podcast with her fiance, Andrew Gardner, which I had the absolute pleasure of being a guest on their show, and you're definitely going to want to go check it out after this. Because Andrew and Daniela are the guests on today's episode. And Andrew has a story of his own, which we will dive more into during the show. But just to give you all some context, he is a former CPA turned entrepreneur and coffee guru. He took that leap of faith and left the business world to pursue his dreams of making a difference in the world through being a father and starting a company of his own, Drew Coffee. Drew Coffee is a single-batch, sustainably roasted uh, coffee company that was recently released a few weeks ago that Andrew considers to be almost like his second baby, and P.S., they have another human on the way. And Andrew and I have had the opportunity to develop a friendship over the last few months and actually had the chance to grab coffee with him the last time I was in L.A., and so today on the show, We get into things such as how Daniela pivoted out of the entertainment industry and why she thinks that so many young stars spiral downward. We talk about the unique way in which Daniela and Andrew met. We chat about why Andrew decided to stop drinking, how Daniela avoids the comparison trap when she sees her friends having success in the entertainment industry, why it's important to know the value of time when looking to make a transformation and so much more. So let's get this convo going and welcome Andrew Gardner and Daniela Monet to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Andrew, Daniela, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us on, Thank man.
0: You. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's, it's really cool to kind of talk to people on my show after I've been on theirs because I feel like I, I've gotten to know them a little bit more. I mean, I know, Andrew, you and I have become, you know, friends just through the circles we run in and, and Daniela, I know we've kind of a little bit got to know each other just through your show and then hopping on another call. But I feel it feels like we're having like more of a casual coffee conversation, if you will, when you kind of already know the people. So I just wanted to thank you once again for having me on.
0: Oh, yay, no yeah. Yeah, for sure,
1: man. Yeah. So I kind of want to get into it a little bit uh, because I think it's fascinating. You all host uh, a podcast called Adulting Like a Mother Father Uh, which I'm sure the listeners are going to want to go check out after this is all said and done. And I'm sure many people listening, maybe their kids, know who Daniela is from her days on Nickelodeon. But they might not be as familiar with you, Andrew, even though you've got a lot of amazing things going on yourself. So I'm kind of fascinated. I'm sure the listeners would be too. So how does a former Nickelodeon star and Andrew Gardner, how how do they meet? Right. Because I I, I mean, I'm intrigued.
0: He was a big fan. What can I say? Yeah,
2: dude, I I had written her like 112 letters or something like that. (laughs) The last one, like had the it just had the perfect pitch to it. And so I caught her attention. Oh, God. No, I don't, do you want to talk about yeah, it? You yeah, yeah. no,
0: it? I mean, it's a, an ironic situation just because I hadn't finished out my school years. So I, I had lost touch with a lot of kids that I'd gone to school with, but one in particular randomly had reached out one Memorial day, maybe a little drunk, maybe not. I'm not sure. Very. Okay. She said, I met this guy and I just feel like this is the guy for you. And this is just random. And I was like, okay, cool. Nice to hear from you again. And after that, I think you had Facebook uh, friended me at the time. Oh you friended me. Whatever. And we started (laughs) chatting online for like three to four months before meeting in person. And to be honest, like, I didn't know what to expect. I thought he was just like this... (laughs) If I'm being completely real, I thought he could potentially be a big douche. He was like big and muscular <laughs> and had all these Dude, I, tattoos. I, I was at the time, man. I was
2: religious in the gym and I was jacked. I was like,
0: so. I don't know if this is the guy for me. And when we met, it was it was just the best. I've never met anyone like Andrew.
1: That's awesome. And it's cool to, to hear that. And I think that one of the fascinating things though, Daniela, about this story, at least from my perspective, is that it was your first relationship. Right. And I've heard you talk about that on your show. And I think, at least in my understanding, and I'm sure maybe some people who are listening to this too, they, they think, well, it must be easy for somebody who's in Hollywood, who's got fame, who's, you know, winning your show. I think one like the Kids' Choice Awards, I think a few times, it'd be easy for somebody like that to get into a relationship. I'm sure guys would be flocking all over you. And what I've learned just from listening to your story, and I think, what a lot of people don't know is it's not always the case. So I guess we'll get into a little bit about Andrew, but I want to walk the audience through your story a little bit in the context of what you kind of missed out on, right? Because I think a lot of people in today's society are obsessed with external validation. They want the fame. They want the millions of followers. They want the money. They want the awards, but they don't see the other half of what they have missed out on. And I've heard you talk about how you were pretty much pulled out of school when you were what, five, six, seven years old, something like that, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, I mean, in and out of school from that age to about 12 or 13. And at that point, like in my middle school years is when I realized that you can't really do both full time. Right. And it was really mentally exhausting for me. So at that point is when I, I was like, Okay, I'm gonna just jump and do acting.
1: Yeah, so you, you got into it at that age. And then what was the process like from that point until I think you got on your first show when you were, what, 17, 18 years old? On, you were on with with the show with Jason Alexander. Was that yeah. that show?
0: My first show, actually, I was probably about 15 years old. And up until then, I just grinded. I was on and off other people's shows, doing co-star roles, commercials, basically anything that hired at the time. (laughs) And when I got my first show, that was a pretty eye-opening experience, just going from no real routine to being a full-time actor at 14, 15 years old, having to Mm -hmm. fit in schooling, not seeing really anyone my own age and not even really having time for family, anyone. I worked full-time I on weekends or on hiatuses. Every three weeks, we would get one week off. We would spend those times either traveling or doing promotional stuff. So it was a very different way of going through my pubescent years. And when friends of mine were in high school, I was occasionally on a red carpet or working night shoots. And it was a different dynamic for sure.
1: And what role did that kind of play on your, your mental health? Did you ever go through anything when you were a teenager? Because I'm sure there was part of you. I mean, I would think that you would see stuff from your friends who were going to prom and going to things like homecoming and maybe having parties where, with what quote unquote normal kids were doing. Was there any sense of missing out? Did you feel like you, would you ever question your identity as far as you were do, if you were doing the right thing or not?
0: Yeah. I think I toggled back and forth. Honestly, I leaned more in the direction of being really driven. I Mm. wanted so badly. I knew that I was giving something up. And so for me, it was like, okay, well, how is this going to be worth it for me? So I became super hungry and I just worked harder and I focused harder and that, that got me through it for the most part. But with that, you invest a lot of time and energy. And of course your youth could come a lot of like not necessarily regret, but just you wake up at one point or another and go, wait, this is, what am I doing this for? Like the money is great and the excitement is great. And I love what I do, but there was certainly, like you said, you do trade that out for a lack of a normal upbringing.
1: Yeah. Because I think in in myself included, there's probably a lot of people when they see some of these young stars, as we know, that have gone, like they go off the deep end, right? I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but we know that there's been a few that were incredibly famous and talented and they're still talented, but famous and made a lot of money and had a lot of accolades when they were younger. And you just see them turn to addiction and have severe mental health issues that they can't seem to get out of. And I think a lot of people are like, well, why would anybody in that position have any kind of issues? But they don't understand that from a certain age, whether it's seven, eight years old for the rest of your young child or child, like life as a child, you got cameras in your face, you're on photo shoots, you're working like long hours. Your or identity- you're not. You, and sometimes oh, yeah.
0: when you're not, that's the worst part. Really? You're not getting any validation and you're yeah. feeling like, what is the purpose here? Like, I'm missing out on so much or my life is so different. Or I can't even relate to my own peers yet. I'm yeah. still on this like hamster wheel of trying to get somewhere. And is that somewhere even worth it? But it, it's like a drug in a sense that like you get to the mm-hmm. point of maybe a little success or you get just a bit of a hit to like make you feel like it is worth it so that you keep carrying on, but it, it's highs and lows. That's for sure. I've gone through a very fair share of lows. The one thing I'll say that I've been, I think, smarter about is I've always known that it could go away. And so I've always tried to be smart with my money. Finances aside, though, mental health, I don't know that I've gotten a fair grip on that piece.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and you said, you mentioned a a few good points that it's like a drug, in a sense, the validation in itself. And I don't think it matters whether... You're in the film industry, whether you're on social media, whether you're in a relationship, like validation, if used in the wrong way, can become very dangerous. And I'm not saying that it doesn't have a healthy place in our lives, because I think, of course, we want to be recognized for good things we're doing. We want to have some sense of accomplishment and meaning in life. But I think when you have it be the sole piece of happiness for you, I think it can take you down a really dark place and kind of one of the last things I want to ask you on this, on this topic is so like from your perspective, like what do you think it is that if you had to guess that causes some of these people to go down that dark path, is it, the valid the the addiction to validation is it the feeling that they're never going to be enough is it trauma like what do you think it I
0: is? think a lot of it comes down to just being lonely I grew up in California I grew up in Los Angeles so right. I had the benefit of stepping when I stepped away from acting the times that I did I had family I had distraction I had people that I actually knew knew me and cared about me and. When people come here for fame or entertainment, they usually surround themselves with people who are also here for the same reasons. And I think that like your reality kind of gets skewed and your priorities become more about getting what you need and what you want rather than being there for one another. And so that's where I think things get a little clunky. You fall into habits that aren't good and aren't going to serve you and... You just have to be very mindful in any in any industry that you're in, but especially in the entertainment industry where a lot of people are very self-centric, you have to be super mindful of who you're hanging out with and whether yeah. they have your best interests at heart at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot to be said for your circle of influence in any environment you're in, and especially in that dynamic where I'm sure there's drugs are easily accessible. I'm sure you can your temptation is everywhere you can get attention from pretty much, you know, whoever you want when you're in that dynamic, because for those who are listening, like just to give you an idea, like Daniela was the star. I mean, I guess most notably the star of the show called Victorious, which I think was one of the Kids' Choice Awards, I believe in like 2012 and 2013, right? Yeah.
0: For <laughs> you four, probably know better than I do. <laughs> a,
1: few, like a few Emmys and, and some of the co-stars were people like Ariana Grande and Victoria Justice, who I think Victoria Justice, I saw just hosted the Kids' Choice Awards this year. So it wasn't like she was an extra. She was a co-star in a big show and she even talks about as is talking about like how when you get to that level it's still not going to eternally fulfill you to be happy. And I just want people to kind of recognize that as they're listening to her journey and maybe you're walking through your own that external validation can only get you so far and it's it can be like a drug if you're not careful. So just make sure that you're doing the choices to kind of get you there in a healthy way. So last thing I want to ask you, and then we'll uh, jump in to a little bit about Andrew's background is, so what do you, what kind of things do you do now to kind of help build yourself up? So now that you've kind of taken acting's taken a pause for you, I assume for the time being with everything else you've got going on, like what kind of things are you doing to kind of lift yourself up?
0: I've always had other buckets that I've been interested in. So I, even though acting's primarily like, been my biggest source of income and motivation in a lot of ways. I've always been int- been interested in other things. So I think like the important thing is to never close yourself off to other opportunities. So that being said, I think the things that have kept me most balanced in my life outside of other like business endeavors is probably fitness, like having something to make me feel good about myself and outlet to like, get energy out and get my endorphins up. I love to cook. That's like a huge source of like therapy as well. And just in general, like connecting with my immediate family, like Andrew's like my road, he's my everything. He's my like (laughs) partner in crime. And now we've got Gio. So I have a lot that like keeps me distracted when times feel like I'm out of control.
1: Yeah. I, I can imagine Especially now, as we're recording this, I'm sure when this comes out, we'll still be in some sort of a pandemic. Y'all are everything you have, right, is in that house. Like, I think from what I'm seeing, LA's locked down again. Am I correct? So, you all are getting to know each other more and more day by day. And
2: (laughs) I think we we know each other well enough at this point. Yeah. We we
0: could, we could know each other less. That wouldn't
1: be bad. (laughs) That's funny. So, So Andrew, did you you all meet when Daniela was still acting or were were you kind of pivoting out of that or how'd that happen?
2: No, you were still, she was still acting. She was in the last like maybe year, year and a half of Victorious. Yeah. So it was cool for me, right? Because it was the furthest thing from what I came from, Hmm. but I got to like immerse myself in that environment, man. And it was like, there's so many great things about it. On the other hand, everything has its pros and cons. There are a lot of weird and negative things about it, but yeah, I got to experience that for a while.
1: So how did you, so you grew up in a totally different environment. Like, how did you grow up in like in a traditional family household? I think I know you mentioned your parents, your parents got divorced, right? Yep. Yeah, both of your, yeah, yeah. both your parents got di- divorced. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yep. Similar wow. stories about the same age.
1: And then did you, you played football, right? Growing up.
2: Yep. Yeah. I played sports since I was four years old. I played football from eight to 20.
1: And then you ended up going to Fresno State and that's kind of where, and after Fresno State, you ended up moving to LA. I think one of your friends was living in LA. So kind of like walk the audience through a little bit, kind of about what brought you to LA and then where you went after college. And then the think that is really fascinating is recently you've kind of pivoted into this, this role as an entrepreneur and you got some amazing mm-hmm. things going on there. So just talk a bit about like your backstory and kind of how you are hunkered down with uh, Daniela. Yeah.
2: Yeah. man. it's a good question. It's funny. We just talked about this the other day. So I moved to LA cause I was spending a lot of time here and although coming out of college, so I studied accounting in college, which I don't know why I ever did it. I never enjoyed it. was never interested in it. But for me, it was a thought in my head that, Oh, this is a prestigious career and a career where I'm going to make a lot of money and whatever. Right. So that's what I studied. I had a job secured with a big firm back home but as I got closer to the end of school, I was spending a lot of time down here and then we met and like LA just had this allure to it. Like there was something exciting about it and something that was so different than anything that I was used to. And in my mind, I just saw endless opportunity. So I decided to forego the job, move down to LA. I had spent right before I got here, I had spent six weeks in Australia finishing school and then just, traveling a bit and literally spent every dime that I had. So I came back here with nothing. I ended up at my buddy's house. He let me sleep on his couch for two months, worked for his parents for a few weeks and then got a temp job, which I stayed at, ended up staying at for 10 months or so. Long story short, after that 10 months, I got hired at an accounting firm in LA that merged with the same firm that hired me back home. So I ended up working for the same people, right? I did that for about four years. I got certified as a CPA just to like, feel like I got something out of it, even knowing that I wasn't going to do it for my life's work, but I did that. And then my first big jump was, yeah, I was grinding, man. I was working 10, 12, 14 hours a day, sitting behind a computer. And it was the furthest thing from what I wanted to do. I, I was miserable. You know, I was traveling all the time. It sucked. And I had a bunch of buddies around me who were all in sales and, and specifically selling in the tech industry. And like they were crushing. They were making so much money in their mid-20s. And I was like, yo, these guys are no more intelligent. Like, I, I don't want it to be negative at all. I just felt like if they could do it, I could do it. Right. So my first big jump was I went from accounting into uh, a sales role for a startup in the fintech industry. I ended up selling back to the same industry I was in, selling to accounting firms and law firms. So I took that jump, man. I had to learn a whole new career, whole new position. And I went into it thinking I may not succeed right away, but I know I have the tools, like I'm going to get good at this and it's going to pay off. And that's exactly what happened, man. In three and a half years, I went from knowing nothing to becoming VP of business development for my company to renegotiating a deal that was literally three times better than the one I had right before I renegotiated because I built value before I went to the table and asked for something. So all in, man, that was about eight years. And then our son was born, Gio. And like it was just such a special moment for me. And i had always wanted to break away because even sales, I enjoyed more, but it wasn't in my heart and it wasn't where I knew I was going to be. So I always knew I'd break away. I didn't know exactly what I would do. I just, I think my plan all along was to build a cushion for myself, to give myself the time to be able to try things and figure it out. So it's exactly what happened, man. Gio was born. I had done well enough that I built myself a cushion. It was about a year, a year's worth of time. And uh, two weeks after he was born, I was starting to get back into the workflow a bit from home. And I was just like, "Yo, this is not for me anymore. And that time with him was so special. I just couldn't imagine missing out on in, any of it. So long story short, man, at that point, I resigned. And like literally, I don't know, three weeks later, four weeks later, we, we had a podcast that launched. She had always wanted to do something with me. So that was like the, the first step into that world. So we launched a podcast, uh, which is adulting like a mother, father. And then now, man, I'm just dipping into wherever my passion lies.
1: That's amazing, man. And I think anytime you can go from having a, I don't want to say cushion job. That's not the right word, but a job where you have some consistency, you got money coming in, you're making a nice salary, there's security there. And then you kind of push that aside because you're like, you know what? I'm successful, but I'm not fulfilled. Right. Like I'm a little, I'm happy, but I'm not like on fire right now. And I think that's a commonality between both of you is your connection To something deeper than just the money, right? I know you both have your hands in some organizations and companies that is purpose-driven, right? It's not just about money. And we'll we'll talk about that in a moment. And I want to get back to what I was saying a second ago, and that anytime you can make that shift and just saying, you know what, I'm done with this, I'm going to take a leap of faith, put my neck on the line, put my family on the line because of something that I know I want to be doing 10, 15 years from now and I want to be fulfilled, I think deserves accolades in itself. So the one thing I wanted to, to kind of ask was what, what, what got you started in the pod? Like what was the, po- what was the vision for the podcast? Was there, did you guys see like a gap in the way people were adulting, if you will? Was mm-hmm. it just something fun? Like what was the purpose behind it?
2: I think it was all the above. I don't, think, I don't think there was necessarily a gap. There wasn't like a business problem that needed to be solved. Yeah. It was, we're very fortunate and I'm very fortunate, right? Because I've had her support. So I left my job, I've had her support um, and she was all for it. And same thing goes for any endeavors that we get into like the podcast. She comes from a background of being a well-known actress and she has a significant following on Instagram and that helps a lot of things. Like that opens a lot of doors as you'd imagine. So we're very fortunate because of that. So we had an opportunity to get on with podcast one. Uh,
0: I'll tell a little bit of the story because I think there was a bit of a gap. I personally felt like with Instagram, which was my primary platform where I could reach my audience, there's only so much that you can show. And I'm pretty transparent and I like relating to my audience. I think that's what's always sort of made me a little bit different from like your traditional actor they want to create some sort of like, not a facade, but just an image. And I'm always about like, okay, I'm going to keep this super real for you. And Instagram isn't like the best place to do it because it's a little more curated. So I was, I was looking for a source to like talk about the real stuff, the life stuff, the relationship stuff. And when I found out that I was pregnant, I said, okay, there's no better time than now because it's getting really real, really quick. And so I kind of like pushed him into this a little bit. And, yeah. and I created a deck. I started shopping it around. I fell into some really good contacts and podcast one was where we ended up for our first season. But it wasn't like it happened overnight. I, I feel like we, I worked really hard at basically my entire pregnancy. I was shopping this show around and it wasn't until right after Gio was born that it launched. So yeah. the timing was interesting, but it was also like pretty kismic in a lot of ways. Cause yeah, we have I feel, a lot to talk about. Well,
1: <laughs> oh, I feel like from the outside looking in, I've, and I've listened to a fair amount of your episodes, and what I think is that you both had some—I don't want to say gaps—but you had you grew up in a in dynamics in a family dynamic that probably wasn't the healthiest, and I think you use your podcast and your platform as a means to help. Inspire people on what a healthy dynamic can look like, and because you share, it's not like you're you're portraying this image. You guys have this perfect relationship. You're talking about fights. You're talking about how it was your first relationship, Daniela, and how uh, you you know pretty much blew Andrew off, and Andrew was like off, and you were afraid he was studying. He was over abroad, like sleeping around with random women. Like you guys get real on the show. It's it's not like yeah, we have this perfect life, and we're making millions of dollars, and we're eating kale every day, and life is so good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's real. And I, I think that there needs to be more of that because it, I think it just brings everybody kind of to the same level of humility and people are <laughs> able to, to kind of relate better to people when they kind of come down a little bit and say, you know what, like I am trying to live a great life. And at the same time, I'm going to, to be real. While I'm doing that. And I think you all do a great job with that. So I don't know if there's any correlation, like I said, a minute ago about how maybe you all didn't have the best family dynamic growing up with your parents and the relationship that now you're trying to help other people kind of have a healthy dynamic within their own household. I mean, we definitely talk about that stuff, right?
2: For me, I don't want to speak for both of us on this, but for me,
1: I think you do it indirectly. I'm not saying you just, you come out yeah. and just give advice, but yeah. I think indirectly, I think you deep down, yeah. you kind of just do in a way. by
0: example. I, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think the priority for our show was number one, to be just very raw and real and, and tell people like it was or like it is. And with the family dynamics, I think it's relatable because a lot of people go through, obviously, the divorce rate's probably greater than 50%. Yeah. We shared similarities because our parents got divorced for similar reasons around the same time in our life. For me, at this point, with a little more age and a little more wisdom, it just is what it is. like there were there were great things about my childhood and, and things that were probably unhealthy. I think for me, more of the focus is, I mean that stuff definitely helps, but it's more of asking questions that get people thinking about what they can do themselves versus like looking, for validation, like we talked about earlier, whether like that means like, you for know, their family, yeah, confirmation, for why they feel
0: this way. What can you do to move forward? What can you do to with whatever you've been dealt in your life? How do you succeed in adulting?
1: Right. And what I find extremely helpful in your show is how you share the wins and losses. And that was actually, ironically, I was listening to your episode this morning as on my way to get some food. And I was like, I'm going to listen to like one final episode and just see if they said anything like surprising. And then Andrew opened up about something that I think is very important for everyone to, to, to hear because it's relevant no matter what you're going through in life. And he talked about, and I'll let him get more, but it was pretty much in the sense that he he's launching or he's launched and launching this amazing coffee company called drew coffee. And he put his blood, sweat and tears into it. It's like his baby, his second baby, I guess Geo's is his first baby. <laughs> third, third on the way though. Uh, and, I,
2: might, I might put coffee over
1: Geo. <laughs> and you've made all kinds of sacrifices to get this done and get it put out by a certain time. And one of those sacrifices was you had mentioned you were going to give up drinking for a month, not because you had a drinking problem, because you knew that when you drank, you just felt off for like a day or two. You're, you, It felt like your mental capacity was down, your clarity, your focus, something like that. And and then you shared like once you launched it, you drank and then it's kind of sent you in this, it's not a downward, well, kind of like a downward spiral for a day or two. So talk about like that experience because I think the decision you made to stop after that, I think is something everybody needs to hear. Again, the why behind that.
2: Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, I want to preface it with, it's probably not as severe as it may sound. I definitely wouldn't say I have any sort of alcohol or substance abuse issues. I like the occasional drink here and there. But when I was, I would say about a month, month and a half out from launching Drew Coffee, dude, our life is just busy and chaotic now with a little one. And we've been home for eight months and it's just, it's really hard to find the time in the space to be able to work on the things you want to work on and focus and all that. So like I couldn't have any other distractions outside of what's going to be there, whether I want it to be there or not, you know? So I made the decision just based on what I've been feeling for the last several years at this point, anytime I drank was to not drink for the last month or month and a half. And it was really helpful, man. Like I I felt like I hadn't felt that clear for a month in a long time. And then once I launched, I think I went another week or so. And over the holidays, I had drinks like two days in a row. Right. And when I say drinks, I day one, I sipped on a glass of tequila for a couple hours. Right. Day two, I think I had three beers or four beers, something like that. And even after two days, man, after day one, I woke up the next day going, I feel a little off. Like I feel a little down. I feel a little foggy. And I literally had one, one drink right. and I'm what, right. And that already was enough for me to go, I don't really like the way I feel. Mind you, like I'm 32 now, right? When I was 22, I could have had 15 beers and I would have been ready to go the next day. It's just just changed. So day one, I'm already feeling like that. And then we went to hang with our immediate family and I had a few beers because that was the environment. So I didn't think much of it. And then, so that's day two. After that, man, I was just, I woke up the next day feeling... Twice of what I felt the morning before, and I just went like, it's just not really for me anymore. I don't like putting labels on things because I feel like it puts too much pressure on it. Unless you need it, right? For sure, that's a different story. So I wouldn't say like, oh, I'm never going to drink again because it's it's not going to happen. But it's definitely enough for me to go. I don't need it anytime soon. Like I'm more happy with my family, my kid, focusing on our businesses, focusing on fitness, those things. Coffee specifically, they fill me up. They make me feel way better than a drink does. And so, for me at this point in my life, it's enough for me to say, I don't really need it because there's plenty else out there for me.
1: Right on, man. And if you really think about it, and I don't judge, I'm not judging anybody by saying this, as far as alcohol goes, in the sense, I don't think there's any real quote unquote health benefits to drinking, whether you have a problem with it or not. Nah. Right. And most people will say when they go out and and have a fair amount of drinks, they don't feel too good the next day. I think that's pretty Mm -hmm. common mentally and physically. And I think you brought up a really good point on the subject of self-awareness. And I think if more people could become self-aware, like you just said about realizing that the choices you were making weren't really aligned with who you wanted to be in the future, and you're right. Like it, it wasn't like you had a problem, but just the fact that you wanted to be on, you want to be healthy. You're a dad. You're you're in a relationship and you got a family and podcasts. You got all this stuff going on. You need to be on fire like mentally. Yep. And you got to make sure, anybody has to make sure that when they're striving to do what you're trying to do, you have to, I mean, at times train like an athlete, like legitimately take care of yourself in the same way. An athlete would, Another thing I want to touch on is, I don't know who said this. I don't know if it was Rachel Hollis or some, somebody said this. I don't know. It's not mine. But I think it was something along the lines of what got you here isn't going to get you where, to where you want to go. Something like that. And you made the realization about you being able to drink what a dozen beers when you were 22, but you're 32 now. So that's not going to work for you anymore. And I think so many people listening to this They hold on to things like that. They hold on to memories of when they were in their 20s or people that were in their 20s and they can't let that stuff go because they get so caught up in that. But I invite people to really take on the the mindset and to approach it in a sense of like, what do you want your future to look like? And is the things you have in your life, the people, the places you're going, does it align with that? And then kind of proceed accordingly. So I want to stay on the subject of Drew Coffee now that we're talking about it because I know you just launched it. A week ago, right? You sold yeah. out. for was it you sold out? And then you did a Black Friday sale that did really well. So I love coffee. I'm sure a lot of the listeners love coffee too. What separates like a single batch coffee or, or small batch coffee like you're making from something like Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, and these more commercial brands of coffee?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think. First and foremost is the way that it's roasted, right? Yeah. Starbucks stuff is, is usually a bit darker. It's roasted longer. Some of my stuff, one of the two, the espresso that I have is, is roasted a bit longer yeah. as are most. And then my filter coffee, which is like for your drip, your pour over, your French press, all that. It's a little, uh, it's medium, but it's a little on the lighter side. So it lets the flavors like really come to the surface. The difference, there's a few things. One is coffee like mine, right? It's, right. it's ethically, it's sustainably sourced. We only source from, we got a kid screaming, he's awake now. <laughs> it's only sourced from smallholder producers who own less than 25 acres, right? So these aren't these massive farms and their, their farming practices are, are typically done in organic fashion. They may not have the certs just because it's a cost and paperwork factor, but the work is still done that way. So it's the roasting, it's, it's the way it's produced, it's who it's produced f- from, it's how much the producers are paid. So we pay premium prices to the producers so that they can not only survive, but also reinvest back in their own business. And then, man, with anything else, it's presentation, right? And it's, it's
0: storytelling, And also just like the the mindset behind it, like you guys are sustainably focused, like not a lot of these big commercial brands care about like the the bigger effects on the environment. And that's something that was really important to Andrew, like the way that his beans are roasted versus these other companies is through this like air roasting process, which is like a lot cleaner for the environment. And unfortunately, when you get into like bigger business and you scale to like the size of a Starbucks, like they just don't care about those details. You lose the detail. It's all all about money at that point. And so I just think that Drew's like, it's just crafted really well and very mindfully. Thank you.
1: I agree. I think sustainability is going to be a big theme in the next few years for our health, for our environment, for business. Like you have to be able to operate in a way that you can sustain anything long-term otherwise it'll kind of come down crashing. And I think now more than ever is a time we need to be supporting small businesses like true coffee, uh, like some of the ones that other ones, like I think you guys are involved in what outstanding foods and kinder beauty box. And I'm trying to think of there's other, other ones off the top of my head, but just there's businesses that are doing like really good things to get back and that are purpose-driven and that are just thinking about something else other than the bottom line, because we live in a world, like I said, that, Right now, there's so much tension going on, right? And I think the more we can all kind of come together and just do good things for the world as a unit, I think over time, I think we'll make the world a better place. It's not going to happen overnight, but I think slowly. So Danielle, I have a question, question for you is, so I think one of the things a lot of people struggle with these days is the comparison trap, right? They look at what their neighbor's doing, their friends are doing, people are on social media. How do you handle maybe seeing people like Ariana have so much success in the music industry. You're seeing Victoria justice kind of still continue to thrive in, in that sense. And you're kind of on, you're still thriving, but just in a different way on a different mission. So how do you handle all of that? Cause I know a lot of people, there's, a, they get jealous. There's envy when they see other people that are, that are close to them having success in a certain way.
0: that's an interesting question maybe when i was younger i cared more about that i think when i was like really in the thick of it all auditioning and feeling like i was comparing myself to every single person in the room but right now and for the longest time i'd say that like it's just a different game like i'm so happy and genuinely happy for everyone else's hustle. i know it's not easy but personally, I get off on what I'm involved in. Like that's I go awesome. after what I want. And if I, there were more out there for me to go after, I would go after it. And so it doesn't take anything away from anyone else's journey because that's theirs. And I just think that that was carved out for them. I,
1: I love that you said that because I think that's the solution to people when they're having that sort of problem is is to focus on your own race and run your own race. Because there's so many people out there that are, they are seeing what their friends are doing and they're seeing what maybe their former spouse or partner, whoever it is, and they constantly are trying to run that race. And what happens when you run someone else's race, you get disqualified because it's not your race to run. And I I just think there's so much value in what you just said there for people listening to this, that when they see people having tons of success or that are prospering in their life in different ways to just kind of applaud them and then just focus on you. Because I think so many people put like 70% of their energy on what other people are doing, what other people are thinking of them, that they lose sight of the ability to focus on their dreams, their vision, their goals. And if they did that, I think at the end of the day, they would get what they, they are unhappy and seeing in other people, which is success, fulfillment, happiness, right? And it's amazing for to hear you say that because just someone like yourself, like I said, you're seeing somebody like Ari, who's, I mean, I don't know. She's probably one of the most well-known singers there is like right now. And then somebody like Victoria, like I said, who hosted the kids choice awards this year, and you're still hyper-focused on you applauding them. And I think that's the important message for people to hear, which is, and I've heard you kind of talk about you running your own race on other shows or in your previous, it's just big, you're focused on what you're doing. And I think it's important for people to kind of hear that. So thank you for saying that.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's not always easy, but I think that that's the only way you're going to get what you want in life. You know, there's no other way around it.
1: No, there is no other way around it. Because I think if you continue to try to to keep your focus on, it's like, if you keep your focus on what the car next to you is doing, you're going to crash, right? So you got to keep your eyes on the road where you're going, because it's cool just to glance over and say, Hi. But really, you got to focus on where, where your destination is, where your own uh, journey is going so that you can kind of get there. So what kind of, I, I mentioned Outstanding Foods, which yeah. I've, I've tried some of their stuff, tastes phenomenal. Okay. What other things have you kind of shifted your energy into sure. to kind of continue your own journey?
0: Outstanding Foods is really like, the first big investment I made in a company. And then shortly after I invest in Sugar Taco, which is a restaurant here in LA. And we're opening our second location come January. It's a vegan taco restaurant. It's so freaking good. Everything about like, it's just, I am. Really? Every day. Oh my God. If you're ever in LA, the best. And that was like me getting my feet wet essentially. And I knew that I wanted to be in the plant-based space. I've been vegan for over 20 years. So I just felt like it was more me doing what I needed to do to give back. And in turn, hopefully they were smart risks that I took. And since I've co-founded two companies, Kinder Beauty, which is a beauty subscription box that's all 100% vegan, clean and cruelty-free, delivered to your door for less than 25 bucks a month, our boxes have really taken off. Like we started last January and grown probably over three, 400% in business just this year alone. So really exciting thing to be a part of. I think for me, my biggest mission and anything I get involved in is just making the vegan lifestyle and all the different products that go into living a vegan lifestyle accessible to the masses. So my most recent project has been Sprouted, which is a vegan diaper company. It's the first vegan certified diaper company in the U S where we use all plant-based materials. We are super mindful of the environment and it's just been like a little it's been crazy. <laughs> it's been a lot <laughs> while well, well, having a, a new baby and one on the way.
1: Yeah, so I want to kind of get into the the plant-based cosmetics and diapers a little bit just to give the audience some uh, some insight because for me and I I there's been times where I've gone off and on being plant-based. So I understand the food part, but when I have friends say, "Oh, this detergent's plant-based, it's plant-based." I'm like, "What do you mean? Like there's there's no meat in detergent anyway. Like, So I personally never really understood what that all meant. So if you could maybe like sure. fill well, in the audience a little bit more about that.
0: There's a difference between plant-based and vegan. Plant-based okay. is being thrown away, thrown around all over the place right now, because it's, it's a buzzy word, okay. but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily Vegan,
1: oh, okay, gotcha. Um,
0: vegan is just taking out all of the animal products and animal byproducts. So, in regards to makeup, there are so many animal products and byproducts used in our cosmetics. Of course, that's that's even that's aside from like it being cruelty free. Of course, like our products, a lot of them are tested on animals, and so we don't we don't subscribe to any of that sort of partnership. So everything's cruelty free. But just vegan products alone just means that there's nothing that came from an animal. You'd be surprised in some soaps you'll find like ingredients that come from like the hooves and bones of animals or in colored cosmetics, you'll find crushed insects. It's just like the most barbaric way of doing things is just status quo has been done for so long. So we've just done everything we could to break that mold. And there's so many products available that are clean that are so much easier to obviously used, so much cleaner, so much less harm is done in the process. And then in regards to sprouted, there are glues, there are machinery that uses lubrications that are derived from animals. So just being mindful of that and knowing that that's just not going to be a part of your business practice, and then being certified by a company that can like put the seal of approval on it was just most important to me.
1: For me, that's insightful to hear because I really didn't know that there was animal byproducts in these products. I didn't really know that. So it helps for me as a consumer and as somebody who's trying to continue to educate myself, just in all things health to know that, because like I said a few moments ago, all I knew, I heard you say plant-based is like the buzzword or vegan, even vegan. All I knew it was, was just the food. Like, okay, if I'm vegan, that means I don't eat milk. I don't eat eggs. I don't eat meat. I don't eat this. I don't eat that. But I, I had no idea it trickled that far down. And I think it helps for those who are listening who maybe have some interest in the beauty products or in the diapers themselves, just because maybe they're trying to live more sustainably. Or I think even with COVID, people are going to really be taking a strong look at their own health on all levels as they're heading further along in their life and being like, all right, like, is what I'm eating, is what I'm putting on my body, is it fighting my fighting disease or is it helping to solve it, right? Right. And I think it goes deeper, I think at this point than, than just the food. So I want to kind of like the close off our conversation with like the the dynamic in your household this time, because Mm
2: -hmm.
1: from an, from an outside looking in, I mean, yes, I'm sure it's pretty crazy having a young one, the podcast, another baby on the way, living in LA. And I also believe that probably before COVID, You all probably had a fair amount of freedom. I want to say, like, I would say you probably were able to kind of go where you wanted to. You could go out and hang out with some pretty cool people. You could go eat at some pretty nice restaurants. And now you're kind of shackled in in your home. How are you managing all that?
0: Not well.
1: (laughs) Uh, Some days, not at all.
0: Yeah. It's wild. I don't know. I, I, I think that the timing is, I was saying that the, someone earlier, like the timing's kind of crazy because when you have a baby, it's essentially quarantine. So in a lot of ways, we're lucky that we've had this distraction because we've had so much to focus on. So like the world is almost secondary because we're just trying to get through the days right now, but every day is different. And I think there are some days where we feel like we are thriving and we're finding our stride. And there are some days when we're wondering like, what is life? <laughs> but for the most part, we're exactly where we need to be outside of the things that we can control. We're exactly where we need to be.
1: And what kind of are you, do you guys do any kind of like meditation? I know you guys both are into fitness, but do you guys do any kind of journaling or anything to kind of help keep you grounded? Or is it just with, with G there, is it kind of everything's just pretty much on the run
2: do with the little one. It's, it's hard to keep a routine, but you, you touched on meditation. Meditation changed my life, man. Really, I started meditating three, four years ago and I don't get to do it every day now, but that and some reading every day, dude, grounds me in no time at all. So I've been working on this one for years to try to get her to meditate and do some things that are a bit more like mindful.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, man.
1: And what kind of meditation and reading is it? Like, I think you post, is it the impeccatus, impeccatus, am I pronouncing that right? A Confucius? Like, what do you put? It's like that one book it's called. Oh dude. I love that book. It's called, it's called daily stoic. It's a pretty
2: popular book. Oh, Ryan holiday, that book. Yep, yep. It's just one lesson a day. It's a quick read. I mean, it's literally 30 seconds sometimes. So I try to do that every day because it just gets you thinking and asking yourself questions that you probably wouldn't naturally and then in terms of meditation, man, I just go the simple route and use headspace.
1: Yeah. So what's kind of next for the two of you? Is it to continue to grow the podcast? Is it are you working on anything else other than the coffee? I mean, what's kind of next for both of you together? Yeah,
2: we're always thinking about the next thing. I think sometimes one of our biggest challenges is just focusing and yeah. making sure we're spending time on the right things. But I mean, right now, the way the way it looks is Kinder Beauty is is doing really well. It's definitely in focus. The podcast has been in focus for the last year, and we'll hopefully continue to grow that. And then Drew Coffee and whatever else, there's a couple other things in the works.
1: Amazing. Well, I've really enjoyed talking to both of you. It's kind of funny. I've only done maybe, I don't know how many I've done, maybe one, maybe two, maybe one, I forget where it's two, but I think- <laughs> and I think it's an interesting thing because I don't think I've seen both of you interviewed together. Have you guys done it before?
0: No, I don't think so. On a, on a podcast. No.
1: Yeah. We did it once or twice. Oh, okay. Okay. And so but it's just, for us. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right.
0: We're
1: all- uh, but, and I think it's just, it can be, it's fun because you get to see the dynamic of both of you interacting on camera, which I think is very real because that's how you all are in life. You have a podcast together. You obviously have a family together. And I know you are busy. So I wanted to thank you for taking the time. So where can people find out more about you? I mean, obviously, Andrew, I know for Drew Coffee, it's DrewCoffee.co or Drew.co, which it's one of those two, right?
2: Yeah, it's DrewCoffee.co. On Instagram, it's at DrewCoffee.co. So that those two align. Um, on Instagram, I'm at guy. Gafton is the name of another company that'll be coming soon. And then she's...
0: My name. You can pretty much find me, yeah, at Daniela Monet. And obviously on my handle, you can find all my different companies that I'm associated with They're found.
1: Awesome. So last thing I want to leave the audience with is one piece of advice from each of you and somebody listening to this and somebody who maybe, they're just, they're really having a hard time in their life right now. They're feeling stuck. And it doesn't mean they're struggling with addiction. They might be... Scared to take that risk and leave their job and pursue something in entrepreneurship. Maybe they just got out of a really bad relationship and they're trying to pick themselves back up. So if you had one piece of advice to leave them with, what are you thinking?
2: Yeah, dude, for me, I immediately go to time. Once you make time your most important asset or the most important thing in general, it puts a lot of things in perspective for you. So if you're struggling with something, like it's a really simple thought. And and I know people do it. I don't think we do it enough. But if you think about Your time ending at some point and where you're at right now, if it's not where you want to be and you got to do the things to get where you want to be in that short amount of time because it's ending at some point.
1: Makes sense. Of course. Yeah. I mean, time is our most uh, precious asset and it's one of those things we can't get back. You can make more money. You can get more food. You can do things obviously to improve your health. You can't get time back. So I love, I love the way you put that. So I wanted to, to, once again, kind of thank you both for coming on. I definitely think the listeners are going to get a lot out of this and are going to want to kind of pay attention to what you both are doing, whether it's checking out their podcast, Adulting Like a Mother Father, or checking out Andrew's new coffee company, Drew Coffee, or what Danielle has going on in Kinder Beauty Box and Outstanding Foods and Sprouted. What I love most about what they both do, as I've said a few times on the show, is it's mission and purpose driven. It's not just to collect a paycheck. It's not just to get some awards. It's because they actually have found something that they love and they have want to give back and create something that is going to help improve the nature of humanity and the nature of this world. So definitely go check out what they have going on. And one thing I would do want to offer to the audience though is for whoever is listening to this right now, and shares this episode, they screenshot it, they tag Andrew, they tag Daniela with their biggest takeaway. I'm going to give away a bag of Andrew's coffee and up to $25 off of, of a credit to get some outstanding food from Outstanding Foods. So tag Andrew at Gafton Guy, tag at Daniela Monet, biggest takeaway of this episode, and you'll be entered to win a bag of his coffee and some outstanding food. So I wanted to thank everybody for listening. Hopefully they get a lot out of this. And you guys, anything else to say? Oh man, thank you. appreciate the time. Yeah, I think think we're going to have to steal that from you. Yeah, (laughs) of course.
0: I love it. I love giving back.
1: Yeah. So once again, I thank everybody for listening to this episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. We'll see you next time.